hope. We hear that word and we think of positivity or wishful thinking. But hope is something different. It's greater, it's better, and it's more. Hope is choosing to wait for God to bring his goodness into our lives. It's remembering his faithfulness in our past and trusting his plans for our future. Hope rises when we encounter the light that shatters the darkness and when the long-awaited Messiah makes his home with us. It's an invitation for every person, and it's here now because Jesus is here now. This is hope. Welcome to Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. We can say that it's December now, right? So the Stinton household, we start Christmas a little early. It's not marked by Thanksgiving or Halloween. Some people say, let's ask this question. How many of you guys start celebrating when, when Halloween is done? And you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. How many of you guys start celebrating when Thanksgiving is done? You wait a little bit. Okay, a little bit more conservative people. Okay, here's my marker. You can steal it if you want. It's a really good marker. Christmas starts the day eggnog is released in stores, right? That is a sign from the Lord, right? If the Lord's given you eggnog, celebrate Christmas, right? Super simple. Amen. So it came like early, I think it was, uh, yeah, early October. So it was actually before. Yeah, so you have to, you have to bend a little bit, but it's good. So Christmas is so fun. We're, um, this year, we are... Um, actually planning to go to Canada. My wife's family is from Canada. And my kids, because of COVID and stuff, haven't been there in years during Christmas, so we haven't seen snow. They're getting so excited. The anticipation of seeing snow and having a white Christmas is, like, overwhelming to them. Every single day, I kid you not, I had my oldest climbing in the attic trying to find her snow clothes, like last week. I'm like, Esther, it's it's like a week away. (laughs) Chill, right? Um, Jude is already packing his bags. Right? So he already has stuff packed, and we're not leaving for like another, you know, like closer to Christmas. And Micah just feels like all he's got to do is eat Christmas treats. That he's five. So he's thinking like, the more Christmas treats I eat, the faster Christmas comes. That's how his brain works. Here's the thing. Waiting in anticipation makes us do funny things. And it looks foolish to a lot of people, and it looks silly to a lot of people, but the feeling that we have in waiting and anticipation for something coming is this word we call hope. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, there is hope. <laughs> this is what hope is. Here's a simple definition. If you're ever, uh, there's a lot of ways to define hope, but hope is simply this, biblical hope, is that we wait with active expectation. We're waiting in suspense. In fact, the Hebrew word for hope is actually kav, which is technically means wait. Hoping is waiting. And it also is, is connected to this word kava, which means when you pull a rope really tight and the tension gets tighter and tighter until there's some kind of snap or release, that's what they call kava. That's actually what hope is. Hope is this tension of waiting for something to burst. Yeah? Um, Jesus actually says it this way, that the world is in birth pains. The world is groaning. The earth is groaning for something to be born, for some kind of release of new life. And so this Christmas season, we actually gather with family and friends to talk about this. It's a spiritual discipline for us as believers. What does waiting well look like? 
What does waiting with active expectation actually mean for us in our circumstances? So I love this verse. It's the Christmas verse you never knew was a Christmas verse. It's one of my favorites. Isaiah 11 says this. It's a prophecy about seven centuries before Jesus came. It says this. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And Isaiah probably didn't know when he got this prophecy what exactly or who exactly it was pointing to, but we read this and we say, this is a picture of Jesus, an old stump of Jesse's family. Jesse was David's dad. Out of the stump of Jesse, a new shoot will come. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever pruned certain plants, oftentimes, if you think about tea leaf, if you've ever trimmed a tea leaf plant, you cut the stalk, and you can actually grow that bug in water, you throw them inside the water, and it grows new roots, but two new shoots will pop out. And there's something about propagating, that means pruning is a part of propagating something good. And this is actually what the, the story of history has led up to when we talk about the birth of Christ is that there has been pruning, there has been pruning, there has been Israel as a nation has been pruned, but the stump has been cut, that family line is dead, but there is a new shoot coming out of that family line, which you are not expecting. And when it blooms, the world's going to change. And so actually going on to Romans, Romans 15 actually quotes this passage. Romans 15, 12 says this, and again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles in him will, uh, to rule the Gentiles in him will the Gentiles hope. This king, who's not just for the Jews, he's for all of us, he's for all of humanity, he's rule us, but we will find hope in that Savior. So 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in, you say it, hope. May the power of the Holy Spirit abound in hope. Have you ever thought about the source of the power of God at in you being a sense of hope? So here's, I like a, I'm a whiteboard guy, so I'm going to draw this really quick. I love the definitions and clearing up definitions of things. So we have, that one might be bus. So we have this line through history. This is us in the moment. We're going to call this the present. We have this, this is what we call the past. And this is obviously what we call the future. And the future continues to go until Christ returns. So what we have is the present moment, the past. We know as believers, the past is anchored in the true reality that Christ was born. That he was born, that he lived, he taught. He ruled. He was the Son of God. He did die on the cross. He was raised again to new life three days later, and he did leave us the Holy Spirit as his helper. That happened in the past. The present is now where we're living right now, and the future is this future hope that Christ will someday come again. And in the meantime, we're living, and some people call it the church age, the age where our kuleana is to take what we know from the past, right? This is what we call the past. We believe in the past, right? We believe in the past. Um, We trust God in the present, and we hope for the future. Does that make sense? We hope for things in the future, and all of these things together, this might make more sense, is what we call, sorry, there's a wreath, faith. 
Faith is all of these things combined. It's believing what happened in the past, believing and trusting what God did, trusting God with my whole life in the present, but also holding on to a future hope that there is more to come than we have currently seen. Amen? This is why faith is exciting. Because if faith was just about God did it, and now i got to trust him and suck it up and just hope for the best, like not even hope for the best, but just like live every day and just see what happens, there's no hope for the future, you and I wouldn't get out of bed for it. But the promises of God aren't just for today, but they're for a, a future. A future and a hope is what God's promised to give us. Does that make sense? So here's the first thing that we have to understand about hope in Christ. It's different than life circumstances. This isn't optimism. This isn't like just positivity. Hope in Christ is not just collecting all the silver linings of life and being like, well, if you look at it this way, then this and this and this. Because here's the thing. The more we focus put our hope in circumstances in this life. And we rationalize it and we find glimmers of hope in every little thing. That's a positivity thing. It's a good mindset to have. It's not a bad thing. But enough bad situations will happen in our life and we'll be let down. And we'll say, I'm out of silver linings. Those things will run out really quick. For, for most of us who've been through some kind of tragedy, some kind of heartbreak, some kind of loss, how irritating is it when someone says, well, look on the bright side, and they tell you, another perspective on it. They might not be wrong, but there's something in your heart that doesn't want to accept that because no matter how many silver linings we get when we're going through a storm, it's never, you could tally all those up, it's never worth the pain that you're feeling. I would trade in all those silver linings to have my child back. I'd trade in all those silver linings to repair my marriage. I would trade in all of those things to get rid of this cancer, yeah? This is the human experience in a nutshell. So what we have here, a hope and a future, is the constant vision that God is not done with your life. Amen? Constantly. The future continues to go. Every day is a new day. Mercies are new every morning. So hope in Christ isn't basically rethinking our situation. It can be. But it's anchored in this. Always anticipating life on the other side. We anticipate that there's something going to be birthed out of the other side of my pain. There's an anticipation that every bit of suffering I have is actually going to produce something for the kingdom of God, whether I see it or not, whether it's in my lifetime or not, but something in the cosmic reality of heaven will shift because I'm holding on to faith. I'm holding on to hope for what Christ has done. Amen? This is the power of hope. So, we look at scripture. Check this out. Romans 8. Hope is always anticipating life. Romans 8, 24 says this. For in this hope we were saved. Salvation comes through faith by the hope we have in Christ. That is seen. Sorry, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? <laughs> it's a good question. How many of us hope for something we already have? No, we, there is no anticipation when you've already received it. So who hopes for that? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Patience is the fruit of knowing that there's hope. There, I'm hoping for something. Why do we pray to God for more patience? Because there's something we're eagerly waiting for, right? And if I'm eagerly waiting for it and God has promised it, then I'm going to bear patience. I don't have to ask him for more. He's going to bear that in me as I patiently and actively wait for his promise to come true in my life. This is something beautiful about hope. 
Are you, is everybody tracking? Good, because we're, we're getting philosophical, but this is really important because the hope we have in Christ is not in our circumstance, it's in a person. So our person came and laid in a manger, and now we look at life totally different because there's no longer this eager waiting for God to show up again because Christ came and was totally enough for all of humanity. We look at the, the story of Mary. Check out this. We, we know this story. It's the Christmas story. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, like, oh, by the way, you hopai, good luck, right? Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Because I'm a virgin. (laughs) Never been with nobody. (laughs) How's this going to happen? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow, overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For no word from God will ever fail. There's a promise there. This is from the Lord, and this word will not fail. No word from God has, will ever fail. I Look at her response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Imagine being in Mary's place for a minute, receiving this news that you're pregnant, the shame that you're going to feel from everybody because you're not technically married, the distance between you and Joseph because Joseph doesn't have this interaction and later the, the angels talk to Joseph too. But all that to say, this hope that she says, may the, your word in me be fulfilled. I'm going to hold on to a hope. The hope is this, that God's word doesn't fail. So if you promise me something, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it tight. And I'm going to trust that. And Mary trusted this for nine whole months. Every single month, holding on. Am I crazy? Did that angel actually show up? Is this worth it? Should I throw in the towel? See, hope gives us a resilience in our spirit because it casts a vision for something greater than we've currently experienced. It also contextualizes what we're going through. So when I'm looking at what's to come at the end of this road, I can now see the Lord is leading me to something. He's my shepherd. He's guiding me through this valley into some some kind of light. So this is what's so beautiful about Mary's response to this Christmas and where we start getting this glimmer of hope. We get hope because God sent his son as he promised. He sent a new king, a new Messiah. But then we also get this hope that Mary, the first one he went to, was basically like, shoots, we go. That was her response. And that response was a response of faith because of the hope that she has in who her God is. So taking notes, here's the next one too. This is what hope actively does in the present. Hope actually how it affects the present, I should say. Hope in Christ silently resists the darkness. Hoping is not wishing and hoping, like crossing your fingers. When we pray, we do this sometimes. We're like, Lord, if it's in your will, could you please maybe do this, right? Yeah, no, right? That's how I feel too. That's literally the response that comes out my mouth when I do that too. But we do that. We do this hesitation with the Lord. We do this thing that like, we're constantly like, Lord, if it, you know, we're just like apprehensive as we pray. But hope is about the confidence in the reality of what God has said is going to happen. 
It's actively waiting with persistence, actively. So for many of us, if we're waiting on something in life, and that means a lot for different people. I know people who are single, and you're like waiting to meet that person. It's a legit thing, like the Lord, it's, and it's a hard thing to have a season of waiting and be like, Lord, I'm ready to meet that person. I'm ready to start a family. I'm ready to like take, like really just invest in another a relationship, a partnership in this life. And the Lord says, wait, it's tough. It's really tough. For some of us, we've battled cancers. We've battled diseases for so long. So for some of us, we're looking for children and we're waiting. We're like, Lord, we're waiting for this baby to come. When's it coming? And so the waiting is not hard, but I want to encourage you this. So the waiting is hard oftentimes, but I want to encourage you this, is that the waiting is not in vain. That as you wait and you hope and you put your hope in the Lord, it actually set silently resists the things of darkness. The lies that creep into our head. God's punishing you. That's why you have to wait this long. God doesn't love you. He has no favor for you. The things that the enemy wants to bring in the head, our patience in waiting with hope in our hearts says, uh-uh. I'm not believing that. I'm holding on to the word of God. I'm holding on to it as truth. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to be content with it. I'm going to be keen in how I love people. I'm going to actually actively bless people, not throw in the towel and make it about me and throw a pity party, right? When we actively wait upon the Lord, it actually resists the darkness. It's a battle. This is, Paul calls this a spiritual battle. We wait upon the Lord, and he who waits upon the Lord will be renewed in strength. They will rise up with wings as eagles, and they're going to run and not grow weary. They're going to walk and not faint. The weariness will be removed from you when you put your faith in Christ, when you hope in him and not the changing of your circumstances. When he's alive and present in your life, things will be different. Amen? I like how, um, how Charles Spurgeon says it. He says it like this, hope itself is like a star. Not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity, but only to be discovered in the night of adversity. Know who has the richest faith of all the people I've ever met? The people who have been through adversity. Because they know what hope looks like. And they've made it through the other side. They've grieved severe losses, but still held on to hope that God is good. That's wild. That's radical. So some of us were actually in the midst of this. We're in the midst of waiting and hoping, and we don't know how it's going to turn out. But the promise is always this, is that when we put our hope in the Lord, everything's going to be fine. So for us, like I just share this as family too, because we're going through this too. Like we have, um, many of you guys know in the last couple weeks been coming, we have, uh, um, we had a surprise a couple months ago, where we found out we're Hapai, and my wife and I were like, oh, we're Pau. So the Lord's like, you're not Pau. So he is like, okay, you're having another baby. And so we kind of like, ah, for a little bit, and they're like, okay, we can do this. We've done it three times. We can do it one more time. Go to the doctors. We're like, okay, we can get ready. We can afford, we can afford. This will be fun. This will be fun. Remind, like, just really kind of trying to convince ourselves. This will be good. This will be awesome, right? But scared at the same time. And uh, we go to the doctor, and they look inside. They're like, oh my gosh, there's two in there. You're like, you gotta be kidding me. So we're like, we're going to five. <laughs> like, this is happening. We're going to have five kids. And like three to five in 60 seconds. So we're like, okay, okay, this is happening. And then we're going to, and we're like, hey, no more surprises, Lord. No more surprises. We, we can take it from here. Uh, family, we just found out like um, a couple weeks ago that the doctors told us that one of the babies has an 88% chance of Down syndrome. And we're like, um, 
This is real for us right now because hope in the Lord is not on the circumstance. And we're learning this right now because, and everybody get their own stuff. And everybody's waiting on the Lord for different stuff. For us right now, it's been a heavy season because we're like, the lies that come when situations happen. Lord, did we make a mistake? Did we mess up? Did we do something? Are you punishing us? Is this something that is like, you know, and then blessed love, good friends, and good friends are like, no, but like, there's so many good things. It's like, I don't care about the good things, to be honest. I want my baby to be healthy, and that's it. I'll trade all the silver linings that my baby would be healthy. Yeah? So what does hope look like has been a journey for us. And I'll tell you this, that we, and we've, just so you guys know, we've been doing tests, and we're trying to get more, um, the kind, we've been trying to get more um, clarity. And actually, a sister in church texted with something that was really encouraging and um, had a similar situation. And we just decided, like, you know what? At some point, our desire for certainty of knowing everything that could be wrong wasn't worth the sacrifice of our faith in the midst of it. And so we just said, you know what? We've taken a couple tests. There's some invasive tests they could do, and we don't want to do that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for four straight months until babies come that God will heal the baby in the womb. And then if God heals the baby in the womb, awesome. And if he doesn't, awesome. Because here's why. Life with hope in Christ is this, that we're playing a chess game where we already know there's a checkmate at the end. So God, we can feel like life can knock our pawns down. We can lose a rook and a bishop. But guess what? I know how this game ends. And we want this to end in our favor in this lifetime. But hope is always for a future. So even if it feels like death has won in this life, darkness is winning in this life. There is a day that's going to come where Christ will win and love will win. And we pray, because here's what's crazy. We pray that as we bank on the future, I don't sit back and be like, okay, Lord, I don't know what to do. I wait actively. We're in this season. My family, Meg and I, are in this season of waiting actively for four months. What does it mean to activate? It means this that I'm not going one day without praying over my babies, my unborn babies. I'm not going one day without declaring the truth that healing is in the will of God, that that's who he is as a healer. There's not one day that I'm letting slip by while I'm supposed to be patiently and actively waiting, where I'm saying, Lord, you show up, you do this, you give me a hope for the future. And if four months comes and we find out that baby does have a disorder, Here's the reality that we're going to live in. Okay, Lord, what's next? I, d- I thought, you know, if that doesn't go my way, I'm going to spend the rest of my life loving this kid, loving our family, and waiting for you to show up again. Life is about the expectancy of God will show up. And do not throw in the towel if you're waiting for something. And I'm telling you that as someone who wants to throw in the towel. <laughs> I want to. Whatever is God. I don't care anymore. This isn't fair. There's something coming. Life is about to birth something new. Hold on to hope because you have no idea what's on the other side of it. But God does. Trust his goodness. Trust his plan for your life. Amen? And so I want to ask you this as a family. Can you pray for us? But we want to pray for this because if we get this, I'm like, can we pray for healing? And a lot of people say, oh, I'll pray for your peace. Here's the good news. We have choked peace already in Christ. We get plenty. If you want to pray for peace, go for it. But we want to pray, we want to contend for healing, uh, motivated by compassion, 
motivated by compassion and actively seeking the faith that what, what we know true to be about the future, Christ came and said, the future is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. So we believe what is true in heaven can be true on earth at the same time. So we are praying in this present moment that love would take root and that love, that healing would win. Amen. Can you pray with us for that? Amen. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for praying for us. But again, I love how um, Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were about to get thrown in the fire. And um, Nebuchadnezzar was like, oh, what? No, you think you guys bad, and we're going to throw you in the fire. They said this. It's classic, he said. One of them said, My, our God will save us. Our God can save us. Our God will save us. And even if he doesn't, he's still God. That's the position we take. Why? Because we want to be saved in this life, but the truth of the matter is hope is always about a future that is not yet seen. And so if we can pray that that future is a reality on earth, amen. But if it's not, your waiting is not in vain, because there is healing to come for all people, where every tear will be wiped from people's eyes, where every pit of darkness will be shed into the light, and only goodness and glory will radiate with God in heaven. And that's our final hope, our final destination. Amen? So thank you for praying with us because that is where we're at. And this is, I want to tell you guys too, because the natural thing about darkness is like, and Meg's not here today. You can bless her later too, but um, she's at a conference. But um, here's the thing about darkness. It wants you to stay hidden. Don't talk to anybody. Don't share your junk. What does your junk matter? You know what I mean? And I just felt this morning like, no, like, cannot come up and talk about hope and not talk about this is something we're struggling with, but actually leading in faith we don't know how the situation is going to turn out, but I trust God anyway. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you? Don't throw in the towel. Hold on to hope that God loves you. He has a plan for your life, that he's doing something. He's an active, Paul, or Peter calls this a living hope. He is a living hope, meaning that the hope of yet to come is actually present in our everyday life now. Hope is not just something in the future. Hope transcends into the moment. Amen? So here's the, oops, where were we? Thank you. Last, um, oh yeah, first Corinthians, oh yeah. So hope in Christ silently resists the darkness. Um, first Corinthians 13 says this. We have some great things, but my, my encouragement to us this morning is that actually hope isn't the best thing we have. And this is what I'm learning too. Check this out. Now there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is hope. Just kidding. It's not. Hope isn't actually the greatest thing we have. And here's why. This is how I imagine it. You can imagine with me. When we live in full confidence of the future because Christ has come. Christ is a savior. He saved the entire world. He gives all of us the ability to say yes to him. And we're all invited into this beautiful relationship in the moment. Belief lives in the past. This takes us, this takes faith to believe in what Christ has done. And when we do that and we, we secure that in our hearts, yes, Jesus, we believe you came. We believe what you did and we believe there's a, there's a hope for us. Present is how we live that out now and future is where the hope for all things to come. Paul is saying here, three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Is why? Because love lives here. Love lives in the moment. What does that mean? This is what that means. 
that faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love because love lives now. Faith is built on what Christ did in the past. Hope is fixated on the future, but love is the greatest because constantly pulling us into the present moment. The more I hope for things to come, the more I realize it's already here. Does that make sense? The more I focus on what Jesus is going to do, the more I'm encouraged to be in the moment and love as Jesus would love. The po- this is, here's the last point in your notes. The future actually pushes us back to the present because the present is where we live. We live now. So we don't drive past people who are houseless on the street and don't give them love because we're thinking about the future. We stop and let the future affect the moment. If somebody asks you, which is your kid? Parents, which kid is your favorite? Right? This is the litmus test. And you're like, well, all of them are my favorite technically. No, no, no. That's not true. Everybody has a favorite kid. And here's what I mean. Whoever you're with in the moment, you're not thinking about anybody else. That's your favorite kid. Love lives in the present moment. When do you turn the other cheek? In the moment. When do you lay down your life to bless somebody else? In the moment. That all happens now. I can't plan when I'm going to sacrifice my time and energy and finances for somebody else in the future. Sometimes things happen and we respond out of love. Because we're so fixated, we're like my kids waiting for this Christmas trip. We start doing foolish things. I'm starting to plan my trip to heaven, basically, by packing my bags now. I'm preparing the fruits of the Spirit now because there's a trip coming. Amen? That's what we're doing. So hope is always pushing us back to being right now. And the litmus test is this. If I'm having a hard time loving in the moment, if things are all about me and I'm not able to see other people and love other people and serve other people, the question for me is how much hope do you have for what Christ has actually done? Because when we live in a deep sense of contentment of like, my gosh, God is good. He's done it all. I can sit back, relax, and be the person of love he's called me to be. Hope pushes us back to love. I love Hawaiian wisdom, Olelo Noial, number 536. It says this, Love is like a chief, the highest prize to hold fast to. What is the highest thing we hold on to? The presence of God in everyday moment, our high chief, We hold on to our high chief who's full of love. And so here's my encouragement um, this Christmas for each one of us. What are we putting our hope in? And how quickly are we to give up on hope when things don't go our way? When we see Jesus in a manger, we're actually reminded not that like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, I love the animals. I love this story. We actually remember that this was a wild intervention into darkness from the God of light. And he came in and said, this world doesn't have to be ruled by darkness anymore. This is going to be ruled by a power of light that the world has never seen. And now fast forward to where you and I are at today. This is us taken up, living in hope, as if hope itself was a home that we live in. We live in the house of hope. We live out of hope. And everything we do is motivated by this future hope we have in Christ. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand and pray and invite... um, Someone from worship team to come up. Uh, but would you stand with me? We're going to pray together. And here's what I want you to do as, as we pray for hope. In your mind, well, not in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, ask the Lord. Lord, have I thrown in the towel? <laughs> have I stopped hoping for something? Maybe you've been waiting for a long time and haven't seen it, so you just stopped. And you're like, I'm out. 
I've tried. I've been waiting. I've been waiting to see this, Lord, and I haven't seen it. I've been waiting for you to provide, and I haven't seen it, so I'm just, I'm throwing it away. Can we hold on to patiently, actively waiting for the God of all heaven and earth to show up in his timing and in his way? Can we do that this morning? Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we, um, we just take a few minutes, Lord, before you and ask this. Lord, as we wait. Lord, we just declare as a body this morning, we're not scared of the darkness. We're not scared of it. Light has broken into a dark world and we have all hope for a future that we could ever hope. Jesus, keep us from keep us from weak endurance. Keep us from short suffering and throwing in the towel, Lord. Give us long suffering. Father, give us the ability to endure hard things because your hope is worth it. Because there's a glory on the other side of it that is totally worth it. We thank you, Lord, that all good works on this earth aren't done in vain. That for those of us who've been serving and loving and hoping you notice that you do, we thank you, Lord, for this promise that all good things will be recognized and rewarded on the other side. We pray for all of us, God, in the valley right now who are in the trenches, who see hope as a question mark. Like, Lord, (laughs) where are you? What are you doing? I don't know what's going on. May we center our focus, Lord, for those of us suffering right now. May we center our focus back to a place of, I know who you are. I know that you sent your son. I know that we have the power of the spirit. I know that you're capable of healing. I know that you can repair. I know that you can reconcile. I know, I know, I know this is who you are. And Father, in that hope, whether in this life or the next, may we live every single breath like a honey, breathing life into those around us. May we be activated in the moment, in the present, by the love you gave us by sending your son. Jesus, may this not be a burden to us. May this burden be carried by the cross that you were nailed to. Father, may, us live, may we live in joy, in hope, in g- gladness, because we have the one thing the world needs, and that's a Savior to fix all brokenness, all death, and all destruction. Lord, bring healing now. Lord, bring favor in now. Bring, bring, bring blessing now, Lord. We just pray that over this congregation. Bring fertility now. Bring jobs now. Bring housing now. Lord, we will wait as long as you want us to wait, but we hope for a future that is present in the moment. And so, God, in that faith, we declare, God, that your goodness is here with us now. Emmanuel, God is with us. We thank you, Jesus, for all things that we're waiting for. Give us the patience to persevere. Help us to not wait for what we already have, but wait for what we have not yet seen. So, Lord, cast our hopes as an anchor to our soul that when the storms come, Lord, the anchor of our ship would be grounded in the hope we have in you. Jesus, we love you. We celebrate you this Christmas season. We honor you for the God you are. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So can we do this? If you need prayer or just sense the Lord asking you to, you need healing, you need patience, you need, there's some burden on your heart, can you come up here afterwards? We'll, we'll dismiss and go eat. If you like, eat. 
But if you like prayer, um, be present and come and allow us to pray. Also, encouragement number two is this. Sorry, before I forget. Next week is baptisms. Sometimes what actively waiting for the Lord to show up means is being obedient in the moment. And he's saying, be obedient to what I've called you to. The, the next thing's going to come, but be obedient in the moment. For some of us, we haven't been baptized for whatever reason. And the Lord's saying, be baptized. Be baptized. For some of you, it's saying, like, I'm kind of iffy on the fence with the Lord. And I don't know if he's real or not. And God's tugging your heart saying, like, if you believe in me, say that prayer. Give your life to me. Everything will change. If that's you this morning, find what, what step of obedience is God asking you to do while you wait. And I promise you'll see blessing. I promise you'll see reward. Not in the circumstance, but in a, a heavenly peace that passes understanding because you're deeply connected to your creator. I promise you that he's there with you. Amen. So please come forward for a prayer. If you want to get baptized, talk to Holly at the connection table. Otherwise, go and eat and be blessed. We love you guys.